Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another pretty exciting edition. Yeah. Of pretty, 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 pretty good, pretty, pretty good. So, uh, Randy Thornton calls me the Larry David of, yeah, of alacrity. I don't think he's the first person to say that. No, you mean it's, you mean I have a rep? Yeah. I think when I joined 470, someone said, you know, Rob, he's the Larry David of 470. I, you know, here's the here's the irony. There, I'm totally good with that. Well, I mean, I would be okay with that. Larry David's a very successful person. Well, and very clever. Yeah, he's a goober and a half, but he's super clever. <laughs> he is not. He's 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 brilliant. He will say what he feels. Yeah. I can't do it as much as him. But no, but I could see that. I try I to see in a good way. That's I could see that. I used to have that rep that I would say what's on my mind. Yeah, I don't know if it's gone away, but maybe it's softened. It's. I think it's softened. It might have softened. Yeah, I, I think it's softened because five years ago, six years ago, you uh, you didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, Not like, a problem. Like when I said, Lee Boyd, we're hiring Lee Boyd. Why would why, we hire this why guy? Why the hell are we doing that? Out of all the people in the world, we're hiring that What guy. kind of mistakes are we making around here? Mm-hmm. 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 Like mm-hmm. that. Like that, Rob. Larry. And Rob. now I would say that hire was pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty okay. Pretty okay. But we have a great episode today. What, what, what does Larry David have to do with the our episode today? I hope you're asking rhetorically because I'm not sure. I will. I will tell you. Okay. okay, I will tell you. Uh, incredibly successful, incredibly ambitious. Uh, we have with us today Heather Wentworth, former chief data officer, current chief consultant at Accelerant. And Heather has been part of a team, a leader of a team that has put together a product base that is unmatched in their market and yeah. has ambitions that we'll get into a little bit later. Some an, an insane, amazing ambitions. Heather has built with the team an amazing data play in the insurance space between MGAs and, and insurance companies helping out with capacity, but monitoring and at the, at the center of it, really building out a transparent data model. And we're going to get a visit with her today all about that and maybe a few other things. A transformative data model. Transformative, yes. Transformative. And we've seen it from the success of the company. We've seen it from the fact that they just announced a large raise and a whole new arm of their company that we'll hear about too. So, um, And the woman knows how to ride a bike. She is known as a cyclist. She is a cyclist, and we'll hear about that too. So if you want to hear about all these things and more, although 
you will not hear another word about Larry David. That's probably good. From this point forward. That's probably good. Without further ado, here's our interview with Heather Wentworth, Chief Consultant at Accelerant. Hey, everybody. We are here with our guest coming to us today from... Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida, which is incredibly ironic for reasons that maybe we'll get into on the podcast and maybe we won't. But Heather Wentworth is with us today. Heather is the chief consultant, former chief data officer at Accelerant. Welcome to FNO InsureTech. Welcome, Heather. Thanks for having me. It's 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 great to have you on. And um, well, I, I got to start with chief consultant, question mark. Yes. So um, I have been Accelerant's chief data officer for the past uh, two and a half years, and we've done some amazing things. And we are now embarking and we have been working towards the risk exchange, which we just announced. And we have formed some new roles and positions, and we've aligned around that vision and and mission to create that exchange. And so I'm very proud of the the new hires that we have and the team that's going to take that risk exchange forward. I am currently focusing on something uh, stealth that I hope to, uh, maybe we'll have another podcast where I can uh, tell you more on that as it comes to life. Oh, well, that's very intriguing. Now we're excited. That sounds fun. Oh, come on. Give us a better hint than that. I can't right now, but uh, right. it's very right. exciting. And it will be um, in a, you know, Accelerant has done so much with data in such a short time. Um, and the results just show that and in our direction towards the risk exchange. So I'm excited to start to look at other areas where uh, the data will add that same value. So one of the things that I think that it's, it's interesting that you say that, that you've done so much with data. Because let's spend a minute talk about what Accelerant is. Now, now we had your CEO, Jeff Radke, on our podcast what seems like 100 years ago because it was in the deep middle of COVID when everybody was off living in their own separate little world. So Accelerant, let's start by saying what it is, and maybe that will help illuminate why data is such a key part of what Accelerant's business is. Sure. When we first started, we were called many things, hybrid carrier, are they a fronting carrier? Are they this? And we're none of those things. Um, We've evolved into a risk exchange, but how I would best describe, especially people familiar with insurance that are trying to figure out, well, you're not a carrier, but you are a carrier. I don't understand. So um, typically at an insurance carrier, there's a department that exists and it's usually called program business. And that exists because there is capacity available that the company doesn't want to underrate themselves or doesn't have the skills or just wants to diversify. And so that capital um, and through this program group goes to MGAs, MGUs, uh, managing general agents. So these specialty underwriters. Um, So they basically get the pen to underwrite um, on the paper of the company. So the vision for Accelerant really was around 
doing more in that space because that it has been riddled with issues forever because it's basically, you know, the area that, you know, it's great to deploy the capital, but it's also the first area that gets shut down. If, you know, if an MGA makes a mistake, well, sorry, we're taking our paper back with very little yeah. notice. And, and really it, the relationship has been that the MGA works for the carrier not that the carrier works for the MGA. And so that is a paradigm shift for Accelerant where Accelerant came in and said, that is the only thing we're going to do. We're not going to underwrite and compete against these MGAs. We are solely in business to provide our paper and help these MGAs grow and succeed because that ultimately makes us successful. It's not a department. Not a department. Within our larger organization. Correct. That is what we're in business for. And what that has evolved into is it's been very successful. We've seen, um, you know, growth rates because we're putting that focus on, we call the MGAs our members. So that in and of itself is a different way of thinking about right. that. We treat them as customers, not as they're our workhorse for our mm-hmm. capacity. And we, we've put a lot of work into how to get them up and running quickly on our paper. Um, so we don't spend a lot of, I mean, these things can go on for nine to 14 months in the non-accelerant world. If an MGA needs to find paper capacity, it's a year and a half. It's a, you know, and that's if you get the right person to talk to at these, these big institutions. And, you know, for us, it's, you know, here we are, you're, you're in six to eight weeks, you know, we help you with your product. It's a very easy onboarding process. And then once you're onboarded, uh, you know, in the traditional world, you know, when you even get to that point, uh, which is a much longer timeline, then it's not really about data. It's about people. And they kind of come in and they audit you manually, like every year and they watch the results. And, you know, if, you know, they don't really look at the details. So if something goes sideways again, it's usually, well, we're shutting you down. This, This claim came in and we're shutting you down. Um, we look at things differently and we say, you know what, we're in insurance claims happen. We like to, uh, you know, minimize that. And that's why accelerant operates at a very low loss ratio across all of its members, because we do monitor that and we do that through data. So when members, um, submit their data to us, which this happens everywhere in, you know, program business today, it's called a Boro. Um, we take a lot more than the Bordero because we can add a lot more value. And so we use that data to not just put something on the GL. We actually look at the results and help them manage their business. And if we see things, uh, so we use AI, we run AI on exposure data, um, and across, I mean, we get all the claims data, we get significant amounts of the, the policy and exposure data. The same things that we run ourselves to make sure that, you know, the portfolio as a whole is working, we've turned those analytics around as a service to our members so they can help to monitor and grow their own book. And so we've had very early detection, which is important of, you know, it looks like the underwriting is, you know, this is starting to trend what's happening. We have the answers. And those are things that, you know, MGAs typically don't have uh, data science teams. Right. They don't have the systems and the analytics that they need to get these answers. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, you can talk to the four or five or 10 underwriters and say, does anyone know who, like, did you underwrite this and this? And without the data, it's really hard to see what's happening uh, within the, the book. And is it a big problem or is it one bad apple? RAI detected uh, in one case that, it, you know, this uh, one of our members went into a new uh, territory. They'd been writing business forever. Things started to, to go a little bit unexpectedly. And we were able to right then say, oh, well, this is what's happening. And it was actually just this one account. And so let's just tune the underwriting a little bit um, and maybe the pricing and, and it works itself out before it's a, a big issue. It's a year later and someone's turning off their capacity. Wow. So you guys, it's fair to say, are just super on top of what's happening in the field once the policies start to be sold. So you're early to, if there's a flag waving, you guys see it early. You don't see it when it's a tidal wave. That's right. That's right. And that's, uh, you know, that's been the, the delay in identification of problems or signals. I'll call them signals. Not seeing signals soon enough is, I think, a huge part of, uh, it's a big problem in our industry especially sure. in the program space. Sure. Right? So MGAs can't always afford the, the tech and the expertise to do it. Carriers, they don't look at any of the data. They get their 20 fields to book on the ledger and you know then find out issues later. So early detection, because that's the difference between something being just a really small problem that you just need to tune and something that gets out of control. So you're giving them not only um, all this information through data you're also giving them capacity yes right exactly you're a data service and a kind of an operational partner as well as the bank that's correct and and that's part of why we can offer five-year capacity we are confident that 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 we can keep stable capacity because we're monitoring it in real time. And how revolutionary is that fact that you do long-term five-year capacity? Isn't that very unusual? I believe we're the only ones who do that. So it's almost unheard of. And mainly because people like, again, the industry is on this cadence of you get your annual audit, right? So the carrier goes out and does their annual audit. And then it's I'm either going to shut you down or I'm going to renew you. Maybe there are some changes. And it's always like eggshells for the MGA. We wanted to, I mean, how can you confidently grow and run your business when you're constantly on eggshells about that ball dropping? You cannot be in business without capacity. So we wanted to change that. And to do it, we had to monitor, we had to be able to monitor the data and make sure we could offer that. Right. Your, Your audits are like essentially real time. Yes. When it has to be done for compliance reasons, we audit. We are far more uh, proactive in where we can be prescriptive. We are at that point with our data and AI. And that's, again, I mean, there you can't overlook, uh, you know, loss ratio being insanely low. And then that growth rate, revenue growth rate over 30% across uh, on average, for our 110 plus members, that's wow. significant. Tell us about your uh, two, two and a half years there in this last role that you had as chief data officer. What did you do? 
what was there whenever you got there and what are what are are you proud of now? Yes. So I will tell the unsexy story of data because that is what I focused on. Because in order to do all of these amazing things, um, you need good, clean data. Which is hard to come by, which is hard to come by. It is. And it's uh, not the most exciting thing to work on. When you tell people you're ingesting, cleansing, uh, normalizing, standardizing data and, you know, making it readily available to use in analytics, um, they're like, oh, that's fun. Where are the analytics? But what's interesting is, you know, you have your data scientists who are like, Accelerant is a dream come true. Um, You know, they're spending 90% of their time at other companies cleaning data so they might be able to use it. We needed that to be uh, industrial strength, if you will. Similar to what you see at the most successful data firms in the world. And uh, so that's what I focused on. And it really was around uh, making sure that, so we have 6,700 data points at Accelerant. I can tell you that because every one of them is cataloged, all lineage is stitched. Uh, We know every point where data comes in, every model, report, financial system, anywhere that goes, we have full traceability. And we have robust data quality scoring. So we score on nine dimensions of data quality. Right. I was going to say, how do you know it's clean? I mean, how do you know? I mean, getting a lot of data is not hard anymore. Getting a lot of good data is hard. Yeah, exactly. It really is. And we, um, so when we uh, started to turn, so we thought we had good data quality too. I mean, we started with all the best uh, tools, you know, we are cloud native, when we turn on our data quality engine and all the machine learning around our ingestion, we were finding things that it would just have been impossible for a human to detect. And there is a, a statistic out there that the industry loses, I think it's some obscene amount, like $30 billion a year on claims leakage. So, and I can tell you that's true. And I can tell you that there are things that just from what we started to see that uh, our machine learning engine was picking up, we just would never have caught this because you need to not just be able to look at the data coming in. You need to be able to profile that against the data you have, run it against the data you have, and as well, use third-party data. So it's kind of all of those pieces coming together. So we've been able to mitigate uh, what would be things that I know exist. I've been a you know I've been in this industry for twenty years that I'm sure are not being solved today. So that for us was a, a big lift. And then on the development side of things, you know we are providing good clean data and all of this data. So we're able to produce analytics much faster, and we can rely on that. They're actually, we're not saying, oh, we have the, you know, this new models out there and it's going sideways. So we, the same rigor that we put in around our data quality, we use that um, as well for drift and and looking at how we manage everything from, you know, our real data to our synthetic data. That was my focus the past two and a half years. So most, most of your members, I assume, are turning in border rows on a monthly basis. Is that right? Or are they doing it different there? It varies. It varies, um, and it will continue to shift as we um, as we work to actually integrate with many of the systems out there, so that there we can get rid of the borrow. Um, 
I mean, is that the goal to get rid of the border roll and just have yes. real time data coming in? Yes. Or more fr- on the, on the, I would say on the correct frequency. Okay. Um, okay. Whatever that is. And, you know, because we do, uh, you know, the border road typically is not, it's usually summary data. Yeah. The value for us, both in how we manage the portfolio and in the services we can offer back require a, a lower level of detail. And that's something that our members are also keen to see expand. So, okay. Yeah, we do see the border row going away. Um, we'll continue to, I mean, we provide border row to our reinsurers. We also provide them with access to the actual data. And later this year, we'll be giving them access to the analytics that we use. Um, wow. And there's some of them, I mean, reinsurers, I, w- I would say, are actually in the more advanced, uh, I, I would consider them more advanced even than some insurance, it just classic insurers, but that's where we've also seen um, trust in our relationships build because we are so transparent with our data. And again, we, we use it, we rely on it. Why wouldn't we provide that to our trading partners and our partners on the risk exchange? I want to ask you about a bunch of stuff, but, but let's start with what is a chief data officer anyways? I mean, I have this picture in my mind, right? You're sitting at a desk. There's a lamp over your desk. You're just <laughs> stacks abacus. of paper, abacus in the background, stacks of vault, reams of paper. You're reading through them one at a time, squinting, cigarettes <laughs> off on the side. We did not cup, have the same visual. Couple, couple, <laughs> cup, couple cups of old coffee. Tell us what a chief data officer does. It is such a varied position. So I'll describe it in a few ways because I don't think there's a wrong answer for it. And I think it will continue to evolve uh, just as it has an accelerant. But, you know, you have some companies where your chief data officer is focused on privacy and compliance. And that's their, you know, sole purpose is to work with your security and all your operations teams to make sure that privacy is in place. You have some companies where your chief data officer is responsible for uh, data governance. So all of these, the data quality, the data inventory, what should be collected and making sure that, um, you know, so if, if analytics are, are being launched, do we have the right data? Um, so kind of being that, that, keeper of and the person who governs and uh, inventories all of that data, right? And can can produce the quality for the organization. And then, and it depends on which state you are as a company. And then um, beyond that, and, and ultimately what you want is, I think, where you then, uh, you know, you're isolated, dabbling into data, then becomes just a seamless part of what you're doing. And then your chief data officer role can be far more tightly coupled with engineering, um, which is a good match for bringing those together. And that's where we are at Accelerant. So we, I think we took the right steps based on our evolution. And we are now at a point where um, we've been able to combine and bring together um, a lot of the different groups now that we have everything working properly and that's the, the go forward model. So you're going to see variation 
it depends who you ask and it depends on the, where the company is in their journey. So how do you get to become one? I mean, did you go to chief data officer school? How do you get to be a data scientist, it, which is, I'm assuming what you are. I am not a data scientist. So there are different ways, right? So my background has been um, primarily in technology, which in the insurance industry is heavy with data. And it's an area that uh, many companies don't focus on. I always separate them into the bucket and the water. So tech is the bucket, data is the water, right? You can have the best bucket in the world, but if there's dirty water, you're going to be thirsty, right? So it's, it takes a little bit more than the best bucket. Um, so for me, getting into being a chief data officer, um, I had the background, I had the skills and, you know, I've kept up, I'm very interested. So I did a, a continuing ed program at MIT, that really, again, just bringing, staying up on the concepts and getting deeper into that data side. I think based on where AI is, you know, that's something where people are, are now specializing in that. So if a company is very focused on AI, their chief data officer may very well be from the AI track, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, data science and data decision, uh, however you're looking at these things, um, I think the path to that is also varied. Our chief decision scientist who runs our data science was an actuary and, and then uh, upskilled along the journey to get into data science, which I think for insurance is a phenomenal track and covers a lot of the, the risk analysis that's really important. But then you have others that focus on the customer side and come in, um, you know, they've learned uh, the statistics and the science, they've learned AI machine learning, and they, they come into data science um, differently, you know, maybe focus more on the marketing and customer segment. So I think it's, it's so highly varied right now. Founded in, in 2018, Accelerant has been using all this data to, to better their own book right, to, to find uh, MGAs, members, and to help give them capacity. But it seems like recently you have announced the launch of the exchange. Is that something you can talk about? What are you doing with that? The risk exchange is an evolution of, of what we've been working on. Um, we've seen so much success in how we are able to use data and AI to monitor the, the portfolio and help our members grow as well as our relationships with reinsurers. So what we now have as demand is uh, being able to connect other capacity um, with our members. So that could be other insurance companies. It could be outside capital. And it's being able to bring all parts of the value chain together so that uh, we can exchange, exchange risk far more easily. So taking that accelerant model, but opening it up to other partners. And so with that, you're now not only working with the members, the MGAs, but you're now having to get relationships and partnerships with other carriers? Yes. Our partner insurers are growing and we're very excited about that. And we, so the same tools that we've used and found success with at Accelerant, so that includes how we're able to, I mean, I'll point out a few things where the efficiency side, 
is uh, extremely helpful because when you can use data, we have member directors who kind of like account managers that uh, work closely with our members. Well, you could probably have a ratio of, you know, one to three in a traditional carrier, right? Because there's so much manual work going on and we're able to do much more than that. Because we have the data, we can spend time doing other things. So let's, let's help you grow your business. Let's help you do other things. So it's helped us on the efficiency side because we, you know, we don't necessarily want to have to hire, you know, an army of member directors as we grow hundreds and hundreds more members. We want to be able to provide them with really good service, but let the data help us to spot the issues and monitor those results. That whole toolkit that we have. Um, and again, we've, we've produced a very low loss ratio. Uh, members are very happy. We're very happy. We've shown this to other insurance companies and they've said, wow, we would love to manage our programs like that. We yeah. would love to get our capacity in here. This works. This is so different. And so that's where that insurance partner um, on the risk exchange is growing. So is it a data play? Does it put you in the middle with the data passing between the MGA and the and the new carrier that the capacity gets placed with? The risk exchange will make it so that the insurer can actually operate through the risk exchange. And oh, okay. so, yeah, so it's um, it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, we're in the early days. Uh, we are in beta, so that will continue as our partners help us to refine that experience. Ultimately, you know, if they want full service, yes, Accelerant can do that for them. If they want self-service, yes, Accelerant can do that for them. Um, and so that's using the, the toolkit through this new platform, the risk exchange, that lets them now work with their members, offer their capacity, and then uh, where capacity, um, you know, there are many different models that this opens up as well. I would just think that capacity is not easy to come by right now. Things are tighter in the space in, in America and in, in, in England. Interest rates are up. You know, we've had a lot of storms. Am I right that capacity is hard is hard to find for some of these MGAs? It is. It is, especially in the cat space. And I, I mean, to be honest, we're not heavy in cat and we don't plan to be um, anytime soon. That's not where we've chosen to yeah. focus. I've but, heard that you, you don't have an appetite for that particularly. Yeah. But there are other areas, you know, beyond CAT, I think everyone right now, I mean, you can see what's going on with the pullbacks on even BOPs. So, yeah. the, right. And so I think there's just so much opportunity out there. And I, I think it comes down to underwriting better. It's not necessarily the, the products have anything wrong with them. Uh, I'll use BOP as an example. I mean, if any small commercial products have, you know, really advanced with, you know, ease of use. And, you know, there's so many out there now where the retailers can quickly buy a BOP for their customer. Um, you know, it's, it's something that's become very automated in some sense, but it's also something that uh, is really struggling right now. So I think as we start to look at, you know, there are areas there where we know we can, we know that our data can help members underwrite better. Um, and I think that's where Accelerant can add value on, on a lot of these products. So basically you're opening your abilities, your capabilities to the marketplace. Yes. To all the different players in the marketplace. Yes. And 
kind of giving them a place to take advantage of that and a way yes. to take advantage of that. Exactly. I mean, why should you keep it for yourselves? Right. <laughs> right. It, exactly. And it, for us, I mean, the demand is there as we start started talking with other carriers saying, Hey, we have this member. This is, this is how they've performed, right? We, we have all the data and, you know, they need capacity in this other thing that we don't offer. And then like, well, how'd you get all that data? You're tracking all of this. Wow. How do you do that? And it just, I mean, that's what evolved. It's a, it's a need in the industry and maybe not one that we predicted early on. It's not what we set out to be necessarily in the first year, but as, as we've grown, um, you know, yeah, I mean, we're going to be a carrier on the platform, but why shouldn't we let everyone else? Well, I think that's neat. So that is a little bit of one of the pieces of news that we read about. And then we also read that recently there was a, a large amount of money raised with the company. Tell us, uh, tell us what, whatever you can about that. Yeah. I mean, most of it was in the press release, but you know, I'll say we've grown uh, so fast and in a profitable way. So the, the raise made a lot of sense and, you know, the confidence in us from, from our new investor is fantastic. And so I think that's uh, something that will let us continue uh, to grow, to add new members, to expand. And so the, the timing on that is good. And I think the valuation uh, increase in such a short time is just a testament to all the hard work and diligence that we've been doing at Accelerant. I want to get back to the data ideas for a minute and talk about AI, which of course is you know the sexiest term in technology today. That's and hard. share with us some of your insights and give us maybe some even some basics on how AI, how you see that AI will be playing in the world of Accelerant? So the first one uh, that I'll call out, the first use case that I'll call out that we had a lot of success with is the one I talked about, and that's um, right. ingesting data. Um, in the machine's ability, I mean, our the, the data quality engine was able to detect that one of our members inadvertently, they didn't have a good front-end control on their policy admin system. So they were accidentally keying policy number in the retail broker name field. And so when it came through to us, we're used to seeing, you know, Becky Pine, Walter Jones, Walter Jones, Walter Jones. So there were kind of two things at play there. We're used to see the machines used to seeing uh, a certain pattern and then a certain uh, ratio, right? Because it's never a one-to-one -one where right. like, you know, you have a hundred policies come in, it's a hundred different retail brokers. That's not how it works, right? You might have like 20 retail brokers who produce, you know, a hundred policies for you. There's usually a lot of overlap. When that file came into us, the machine instantly, and we wouldn't have picked it up because it's a text field, right? So you're not going to know until that starts showing up on your reports as like, you know, what did AC 1-777 whatever produce that month? you know, as the retail broker. So we got this in and we were like, this. the machine detected it and said, it is uh, not the right pattern. It looks like they are, they've introduced a lot more retailers. Uh, so they're a lot more, they've expanded their retail partnership because it was seeing the one-to-one -one now. So there were things that the machine just instantly caught and said, all these things are wrong. Not just that it's not Becky Pine or, you know, Walter Jones, all these other things are wrong. And oh, by the way, this actually looks like this field called policy number. 
So it was able to profile through the data and say, this actually looks like this, but because it's so mixed up, I can't just flip it. So the machine was smart enough to know I can't just call this policy number because there are some Becky Pines in there. And then I can't, you know, I don't know what to do with it. So then we actually went back to the member, uh, which this is a great story. Uh, so the AI was super effective. We went back to the member and, and they said, oh, gosh, we just started training a new assistant. And, you know, you get into keying in those applications. They, didn't, they were just in that rhythm and just uh, keying in the wrong field and there was no front end control. And so what was then happening is if you can imagine letters that then start going out. So like binders and things were being addressed to the policy number, not to Walter Jones. Mm -hmm. So the member was like, thank you. We hadn't caught that. Uh, right. Because everything just goes out through email. You, you really wouldn't know. They wouldn't see it. Right. So that is, uh, and that's just one small example. So that's where we've seen it on the, on the data. I, I would say the data operations size AI has been huge. If you want low hanging fruit, that's your use case. Where we've also seen value is in um, product optimization and portfolio optimization. So when trying to make decisions on pricing, being able to look at a book of business, segment it appropriately, and then be able to uh, let the member uh, decide, well, if I do this, what happens to the book? If I do that. So being able to do that as if analysis and actually have it be valid. So on the, you know, looking at that, and there are a hundred different examples in there, but that is also an area, whether it's the pricing or the underwriting, which I think is extremely valuable. Again, fundamental. Right. And then um, on the claim side, we've seen, so we, we actually look at uh, 200, I want to say 53 fields now for claims which most carriers uh, in the program space might look at 25, right? They're just like, when did the claim happen in, you know, what policy number and some basic stuff. We look at all of it. And so where I think that, uh, you know, there are so many use cases in there, fraud detection, but I also think being a lot of claims is still narrative. So being able to actually start to get into you know, comment fields and the narrative of claims and starting to extract that data and, and turn that into insights. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mm-hmm. found a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. Now that's at Accelerant. We are not uh, obviously on the true front end of underwriting, which is where our members are focused. You know, we could talk all day about the the potential out there, especially with Chat GPT and others. Sure. Um, I know that there, you know, the compliance and, and all of that uh, still has to be considered. But I think the the future for all of those use cases is enormous. I just want to follow up with one thing about um, capacity. Is part of the reason to have the exchange is that you're kind of a a victim of your own success in that. I mean, capacity only goes so far. How do you keep adding capacity through reinsurance? I mean, how do you grow? And and you guys, your growth rates have been phenomenal, right? And honestly, I don't think it's because you're the cheapest. I don't know. I have no idea. But because you're offering a product that is not offered elsewhere. And so, of course, you're going to grow as a result of that in an environment like, like the MGA world. That's and right. so, so how do you keep up on capacity? Part of it is, uh, you know, how we're funding our own capacity. 
Part of it is reinsurance. Alternative capacity is also uh, another factor, like how you bring in non-insurance investment into this space. And so these are all levers that we have today. And then, yeah, for areas, I mean, we just, uh, the cat we talked about earlier, just not an area we're going to do, but there's demand for it. So there is uh, that partnership. Now we can do the partnership with or without the exchange, right? The member could go out and say, well, I'll just go find someone to do it, right? And that's not a great experience for the member. You know, they'll do it. They've always done it that way. And that's part of the problem. So what we see is, you know, this is, uh, you know, we have the analytics, we have the tools, we have the several years of solid results. You know, why not have that be an experience that in, you know, more capacity insurer, other insurers who do want to cover some of these other areas can come in and, and fill that gap and, you know, make it super easy for them, just like it is for us. Have you had an experience where, an insurer has come to you and said, gosh, you guys do this better than we do. Can you help us? Yes. Like you were saying, we have a program division in our company, but you guys kind of outsource it, if you will. Several. Yep. We have uh, many that have come to us. What that development will or won't be, I don't know yet, but Mm -hmm. there is uh, absolute demand for that. Because we have capacity but but we're not good at identifying or utilizing it or, or putting it to work. Yeah. And monitoring it. Right. right. And monitoring. Uh, so yeah, monitoring. the expense ratios are much, much higher at carrier program divisions. So we've definitely had interest. Um, there are a lot of, you know, friendly, friendly carriers out there who, who want to are seeing the success and want to do uh, better in that space. And I think that's driven uh, quite a bit of demand for us to start to look at those options. I bet that creates some very interesting conversations. (laughs) It does. It does. And and meetings. There's one other thing we wanted to bring up to you. Yeah. Go ahead, Lee. Well, so before the the podcast, we noticed there were a bunch of bike helmets in the back. There's a very nice bike in the background. And you told us that you like to cycle and that and that you're going to go do something interesting in a, in a few weeks. What race will you be participating in? Yes, I will be doing Oat Root Alps. Uh, a, a seven day stage race that starts in Majeve, France and ends in Nice. It's one of the toughest uh, amateur cycling events in the world. And uh, I'm super excited about it. Uh, but as a resident of Florida, which is generally flat. Yes, uh, this, the ironic uh, part. Yeah, the training has been interesting. So uh, each stage of the race is a, the ele- you climb about 10,000 feet. Every day for seven days, Uh, just much different than riding in flat Florida. So the the training has been uh, very creative. I would imagine now, is is that the same race that was in the movie Icarus? I'm not sure about, ooh, fact challenge. I was wondering if it was, there was this guy who he was trying to do, I thought it was the same race. And then he actually stumbles upon an entire scandal, a uh, rushing doping scheme. But I didn't know if that was the same race or not. I'll have to look that up. I'm not sure if it is or not. I'm, I'm guessing that somebody doesn't wake up one day and say, you know what I'm going to do? 
And, and no. that's where you find yourself. So, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a long time. You're, you, you, you must be a cyclist. You must have cycled in Europe previously. Yes. No, this will be my first time. Wow. So jumping in with both feet. Jumping in. Yeah. I have cycled for a long time. Uh, 15 years. I think I've been riding and racing. I got my start in uh, triathlon very early on. Um, and, and, loved it. I then decided that the cycling part of triathlon was what I really liked. And I raced, um, I ended up actually racing on my mountain bike up in the Northeast. So I did cross country, a little bit of enduro and even, uh, some scary downhill racing. Mm. But now that I live in Florida, I've lived here for about two and a half, three years. Um, I started doing more road riding and gravel riding. So a lot more, uh, you know, the longer rides, uh, really appealed to me. So, um, I'm pretty excited, uh, for Oatroot Alps. Congratulations. I mean, that is going to be an amazing time, an amazing race. Yeah. You have to uh, come back and even to give us like 10 minutes or oh, 15 yeah. minutes. You'll have to tell us about the experience. The story is going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah. When are you back? I will be back, um, August 25th. Perfect. Okay. Alicia, let's, we got, we got to have an update. Got to have an update. We're going to have Heather back on to tell us her, her story, because, you know, even though we're all a bunch of insurance nerdy people, we have regular lives too, right? We do. Not that that many of us have the regular life that includes climbing 10,000 feet a day for seven days. So (laughs) on a bike. It's going to be amazing. On a bike. Amazing. Congratulations on that. We hope it goes exactly the way that you want it to. You just so. never know, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that. there's got to be some lessons and some moments that you're going to have uh, in front of you, all of which, in retrospect, I'm sure will be wonderful. So uh, good luck with that. And thank you so much for being here today. What an amazing company. And, you know, for how for even how technical and involved your company is at the bottom of it, is a just a really good simple idea. It's really very simple. We have this marketplace. There's information problems. There's communication problems. It's kind of built on a model that's outdated of sorts. And why don't we just fix that? Right. I mean, do you agree with that yes. kind of 100%. thought? Hundred percent. We're we're solving real problems. Um, and they may not have been the, the, you know, the selling, you know, direct to the customer and, you right. know, all the flash of those ideas. But, um, you know, as industry veterans, we know these have been longstanding issues in the industry that are actually taking away from uh, the customer. So, you know, that's been a huge part of our focus is let's fix these problems and let's let's make things so that they are better for everyone, including the customer. Well, we thank you so much for being with us. We wish you all the best on your crazy little journey that you're about to take. And we'll look forward to the follow-up episode. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been good. Thank you, Heather. You know, two amazing accomplishments. Yeah. One is, you know, being a key part of putting Accelerant together. And the other is, you know... Taking this bike ride through the Alps. Climbing multiple mountains on your bicycle. Wow. Wow. It's hard enough to drive up a mountain, let alone ride up a mountain. It's hard to ride up a mountain.
Yeah. It's hard. Try it sometime. I live in Waco and there's one hill and it's probably, you know, 80 feet. And I feel like I'm just going to drop dead whenever I ride up that hill on my Mm -hmm. bike. I can't Mm -hmm. even imagine every day you're riding an average of 10,000 feet. I will say this though. You know, when you ride flat all the time, Mm -hmm. you're not used to it. Yeah, it's a different it's a different deal. It's a different way. And the bike is different, right? A, right. a, a climbing bike is not necessarily designed to be a flat bike. Right. But still, it's all she human told us, power. She told us that her bike weighs 14 pounds. Fully loaded. I mean, my cat weighs 14 pounds. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing. Listen, it was great to have Heather on. Yeah, that was uh, wonderful. Thank you, Heather. Uh, we thank her wonderful insights and really really helped us to coalesce our understanding of accelerant yeah really terrific we thank her we thank all you who come and listen to this craziness every week and we wish heather all the best and we will have her on yes we're gonna hear about all sorts of things when she comes back can't wait can't wait and so until then we'll say goodbye everybody <laughs>